Yes, Motorsport 101 is proud to announce our new partnership with Amazon Web Services. And our friends at AWS has let us know through our through their various resources that this is in fact by all statistical measures the most recent episode of Motorsport 101. This is why we never let King do the intro. <laughs> hey guys, your friendly neighborhood host, Drake Harrison, back at it once again with episode 256 of Motorsport 101. Hopefully you're not sick of my hair yet. Um, with me, as always, is Ryan King. Hello, sir. Hello. G- glad to be here. Uh, uh, our friends at AWS has let me know that this was the most optimal time to record a podcast today. Um, I'm glad. Oh no, like, is this the most optimal time to record? We originally meant to record this an hour and a half ago, but due to technical hiccups, we're only just doing it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I ignored so, our overlords, we were smited mightily. Yeah, my computer is a pile of junk by modern day standards. Great! <laughs> um, hence why my video's been letting the team down somewhat. Apologies for that, but uh, hopefully... Uh, I will beat Adam Johnson into submission so we can get a new PC built at some point. Thanks, Adam. Uh, also with me is RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Good afternoon. Um, our new partners at AWS have let me know that it, within the top 10 fastest drivers to have ever raced in Formula One is a driver in the GT500 class of Super GT. And that means that my favorite series... My precious darling can make a claim to, to can make a claim to being as good as Formula One. <laughs> Th- this is not satire, by the way. You should go watch it this weekend. Yep. And that's all we're going to talk about about this uh, AWS driver rankings thing. Yeah, like, like, like the only joke I had in the original recording of this episode was that I find it amazing that Tony Fernandez was so far ahead of the game at Lotus when he uh, picked up the team that he ended up hiring the 8th and ninth fastest drivers of all time without even realizing it. Yep. So meta. Uh, so, I'm pretty some sure some our all-time lists are way better than anything AWS had come up with, and the fact that we've not done it once, but twice. <laughs> that's true. I think they just wanted to go with something that's just like, right, Senna, Schumacher, or Hamilton, if they're at the top, who cares about the rest? <laughs> Whatever happens, about right, right? happens. Yeah, it's about right. So, what are we going to talk about this week? Um. Well, <clears throat> I don't exaggerate when I say this. We've done 256 episodes of this show. This is the thinnest F1 section <laughs> for a set list we have ever had. I've done about 245 of these of these episodes, and the F1's always been the backbone of our series. There is two bullet points for the entire race. And we had to stretch to get to two. Um, This really was a nothing burger of a Grand Prix with extra cheese. Um, I'll literally read out the set list to you uh, for your entertainment pleasure. Quote, Lewis Hamilton wins race number 88 and breaks Michael Schumacher's podium record for Stappen second, Bottas third, dot dot dot, Owen Ferrari shit in the bed again. That's it. That's literally it. So even us will probably not find a way to go an hour and a half on this one. And if we do, I will literally jump out of this window right next to me. Um, we will also talk about the I'll, I'll, series. I'll keep that two, written down. Three. I'll keep that written down. <laughs> I'll, I'll be impressed even by our standards if we pull that one off. And we'll catch up on a little bit of the news, new ownership at Williams, the Concord Agreement, and a little bit of update to MotoGP in the quote-unquote Styria this weekend. Uh, rather than Austria. You know, you know, even though they're still calling it the Austrian Grand Prix. Way to go, MotoGP social media department. I know you're listening. Though. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 
He's our friend. He'll, he'll see the funny side of it. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, basically, you can find us real quick. If you're on YouTube watching this, hi. Feel free to subscribe and hit the bell if you want to see all our updates and some video highlights as well to come off these shows if you can't be bothered to sit down and watch the whole version, which is understandable. We do like to go along here. If you're listening to the audio version, uh, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Check us out there if you want to see all our faces. You probably don't, especially mine. I've got like a hedge in my hair. It's uh, it's not great. Um, in the meantime, we're also on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Um, and if you want to find out my personal handles, they are in our boxes below if you're watching on YouTube. And if not, we're, uh, we're at Harrison 101 HD at RJ O'Connell and at Ryan Eric King. Sadly, Cam isn't here. He's running errands this week, so there's only three of us in the box rather than the usual Yeah, there, there's, a, there's an that. empty box below me. Oh, my Lord. I wonder what I'm going to put in the box. The power of editing, you know, we'll, we'll find out later. It'll, it'll be a surprise for all of us. Uh, <laughs> we'll figure that out later. Uh, but in the meantime, if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our episodes on audio before they go out to the listening public. And if you really, really like us, you can get back us at the $10 level. That gets us in a supporters club of our Discord server where you can watch and listen to these shows live as they're being recorded, as well as early access to the full video versions of these shows as well, at least 24 hours before they go live to the public. Hurrah! Um, all that fun stuff, all the details, and a lot more, and written pieces as well, all on our website, motorsport101.com. So, let's get in to the Spanish Grand Prix. And, uh... Oh boy, fellas. Um, <laughs> captivating this one, wasn't it? Um, Riveting. Pulse-pounding. Exciting. Um, all of those things were, were was the MotoGP races at Austria last week. Um, it was not for the Spanish Grand Prix, unfortunately. This was... I'll cut to the chase. This was a 3 out of 10 Andre's scale of race rating awesomeness. This was about as low as I normally get without a race literally pissing me off like Canada did last year. Um, <laughs> it, the start happened. Hamilton won. And you know it's not a good sign when Lewis Hamilton won so comfortably he literally did not know the race was over. <sighs> I'm not making this up. He literally, like, he said, was that the last lap, guys? <laughs> he wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> it was, he won by 24 seconds over Max Verstappen. And we was, we were sitting here at the start. I think it was the first 10 laps, right, where we were sitting here going, oh, Verstappen's up in the grill again of Lewis. He's, he's staying with him. We might get another tyre war like we got last week. We all know Spain is, you know, very harsh on tyres traditionally. Nope. <laughs> Hamilton did what he did in Singapore a couple of years ago. Remember when he was playing possum? And uh, they just, he just turned up the switch, started setting fastest laps, and then the race was over? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what happened. That's literally what happened. And that was like the lead battle over, right there and then. Like, genuinely. The, one of the highlights of the race, King, was Max Verstappen getting a 1.9 second stop in the garage. Because, yeah, we love fast pit stops around here. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, so you're telling me the midfield wasn't here to liberate us from the struggles up front? Not really. Oh, um, God. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I literally said in my tweet summing up the race, we got a very cool early move when Daniel Kvyat went around the outside of Daniel Ricciardo into turn four. That might have been about it, besides the good old-fashioned DRS train that we that, that we got from last week, only extrapolated over most of the Grand Prix, where no one could really overtake each other because everybody had DRS off each other. And that was about it. And, like, normally, even in, like, when F1's at its worst, it will still be liberated via decent midfield action. I don't think we even got that this time round. It was just... Mm. Like we had Charles Leclerc trying to pass Lando Norris, and that was about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was about it. I think the most pressing thing for me coming out of this weekend is how few people really understand the cooperation needed to complete a round of seesaw and Fall Guys a little bit. 
Because it is clear that most of these folks are just in it for themselves. They want to get to the finish line first, and therefore they don't know how a seesaw works. And this goes back to kids maybe not knowing how to plan a seesaw to playground because recess hours have been cut so much. But that is another topic for another day. Anyway, about that race. <laughs> <shit. laughs> I wish we. I, I wish I had more to tell you, but like, uh, like honestly, me trying to play seesaw on stream earlier this week uh, on Twitch, trying to play Five Guys was literally well, Five Guys, Four Guys. Uh, see, see, you said I'm hungry. I've got burgers on the brain. Oof. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not good. Um, <laughs> that really was about it. Um, it's, it's. It, I wish we had more to say, but we just don't. It was. The lead battle was Hamilton taken off into the distance. They they had the pace measure. I was telling people on Twitter, you really think Mercs are going to let themselves get beaten the same way twice? Yeah. It's not going to happen. That's their one screw-up for the year, and they still finish second and third. Like, <laughs> this is it, fellas. Like, this is honestly it. And... You know, it was a carbon copy to some of the races we had earlier when it comes to when it came to results. Max was had enough pace to split the Mercedes. Um, they tried running Bottas on a one stopper to maybe try and beat Max. Didn't work. Mercs had to throw in the towel with about twelve to go at the end. Um, so Mercs took a pretty safe one three in the end. Fun fact, they were the only three dudes on the lead lap by the time we came over the line, sixty-six laps later. This was an almighty clobbering and a pretty prompt reminder to the field that there's only three dudes that are capable of winning a Grand Prix right now, and the other two, and two of the three are outside bets at the moment, and that's Hamilton just curb stomped everybody. 24 second win over Max, who we know is driving out of his skin to even split these mercs up on a regular basis. Ugh. God help me. <laughs> yep. I mean, though, though, th this is the Formula One World Championship. There, there has to be storylines. There's always like the racing might be bad sometimes, but there's always something to talk about, right? Right? We had right. something to talk about, right? Yeah, King. We, had, we have a couple King, of things. King, hang on. So, 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 sorry to cut you, RJ. King, do you know what the odds are on Lewis Hamilton to win the World Championship right now? Is it is it is it a straight up? One to one. I I wouldn't be surprised if we're like, hey, Lewis is just gonna win, y'all. <laughs> one to fifty. <laughs> one to fifty. For those guys that don't know your gambling odds at home, that means you'd have to risk fifty quid to win one. That's how uh, the the bookies are basically saying we're not taking bets on this anymore. Forget about it. There's no value here. They think it's already over. I mean, like, they're not wrong, in but... Bookie... <laughs> and it is now! In, in, in bookies' language, a 1 to 50 means the bookies think there's a 98% chance Lewis Hamilton wins the championship now. Oof. I don't see... I don't think he's wrong. I don't think they're wrong, but... They think it's dead. It's DOA on, on arrival. And that's the end of the matter, basically. Um... <sighs> There was only one other prominent major story that came out of this race that is even worth discussing, really, and that was the unfortunate and very dangerous, inevitably, retirement of Charles Leclerc. Um, he was running, I want to say, P6 at the time, um, when I think it was his axle, I think, his, I think it was an axle issue with an electrical problem with, with um, Charles's car. He'd spun around at the final chicane. Um, the car had shut itself off, electrically speaking. Charles was trying to restart it on the side of the road. Couldn't do it. They were about to throw in the towel and retire the car. Charles had already taken his harness off. Remember this, it becomes very important in a second. He'd already taken his harness off. He tried, apparently, one last go to try and turn the engine back on. Or power unit back on, I should say. Um... And miraculously, it turned itself back on. So the car was technically working, although, you know, sp coughing and spluttering on, on, its, on its electric electrical unit. So Charles hops back in the car and continues, even though he's now not wearing his seatbelt. It, 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 it should be clear. He was technically wearing the seatbelts, though... 
you can't you can't pull yourself into a Formula One car. You don't have the right. leverage to tighten your own seatbelts. Right. Um, and it wasn't for another couple of laps uh, of Leclerc touring the circuit at uh, a snail's pace before Ferrari finally you know put the car out of its misery by 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 boxing it and uh, retiring the car. Now, what's funny is is that. Formula One, as a social media entity, has, has fully acknowledged this incident. Um, it was the onboards were all over Formula One's website after in the in the day after it happened. Um, Charles um, wrote a tweet about the situation, which he then promptly deleted, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny, um, um, because he pretty much had openly admitted he driven he had driven the car with a loose seatbelt. Um, this was unbelievably dangerous. Um, I find it amazing. There's no formal investigation that's taken place regarding this because it's it's all out there. We all saw it. We all know exactly what happened. Like um, what what I see is the damning part. I would understand if there was an investigation if he had driven the car right back to pit lane and got his yeah. seatbelts tight. I would understand that because there's no way for him to get from point A to point B. Without, you know, without someone else being able to get to him to tighten the seatbelts. That's understandable. But the fact he did right. multiple laps, that's the problem. Yeah, two laps. Yeah, did two laps of a loose seatbelt. If someone collides with him at speed, goodness only knows what could have potentially happened there. Yeah, just like as a brief um, explainer, even if you have the belts on and you try to tighten it yourself, you're not really strapped in. A second person has to be on the outside because they have better levers than you to really strap you into the car. Because uh, right. if you just tighten it yourself, you could still move around in the cockpit. Uh, you're 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 not you're not as secure to the car as you should be. Meaning that if you have an accident, you're not your body isn't going to just slow down along with the car. There's inertia there. Your body's going to move. Yeah, and I don't think an explainer is needed as to how catastrophic that could potentially be um, in 200 mile an hour Formula 1 cars. Um, bad idea. Very, very bad idea. Again, I find it amazing that there's been no formal investigation in you know that's been carried out since this happened. I find that mind-boggling that everyone just seems to have just brushed it under the carpet like it's not happened. Um, normally, Formula 1 is very prompt on things like that. Normally within the hour, you'd, you'd be getting stewards' note panels being sent to the media department. And on this case, crickets. Nothing. I, I, do, I do not understand how that how, how Charles has gotten away with that one, even more so when he basically admitted it on social media the next day and then had to go delete his tweets because he realised, yeah, I've kind of done goofed on this one. I was about to say, and forgive me for being the mediocre dude that just plays devil's advocate all the time, but uh, do you think this might be an actual case of that Ferrari international assistance that everybody talks about in jest? Get, get out. Get out. Uh, no, because I don't believe that. In that I, I think that's just... I think it, it's a situation where, like, again, like, it... If you really tried to argue from the standpoint of Ferrari international assistance, per se, it's that situation of kind of trying to trying to decide what penalty to apply to this. Is it going to be uh, a race time penalty administered post-race? Is it going to be a fine? Which I think it should be a fine, but I don't know if the yeah, other teams it want it to be, be a fine. Uh, I think it's when you're in that gray area where there being little to no president on what to do, a lot of times, like, the stewards are just like, that. Oh, yeah, like, to be fair, like, when I first heard about this, I thought, oh, his seatbelts were off, and I'm thinking, like, surely the reason why there's no precedent is because they never foresaw a scenario in the year of our Lord 2020 right, where somebody right. would be driving at speed without a seatbelt on. Yeah, it's it's in the regulations as being against the rules, but it doesn't it doesn't expand on what a penalty should be for that. Yeah. Oh boy. 
Because if you are you saying that Ferrari might have accidentally found another loophole in all of this? Oh, I have a feeling this one's gonna shut soon. But uh, mm. I mean, Ferrari's a mess. Vettel and his team are having a public divorce that everybody can hear on the radio. Uh, Claire's driving with the seatbelts on Titan. And Lewis Hamilton has more podiums than anybody ever in the history of Formula One. 156. I just... What is there to say about Hamilton that hasn't already been said? I mean, he is going to break every statistical record in the book this season. Um, by the, the way this is going, he's, he's probably going to win double digits again. He's probably going to have like at least 15 podiums again. <laughs> you know, like Schumacher's win record might go the round after Mugello. He's up to 88 now. He's only three behind Schumacher's 91. We are probably witnessing the greatest statistical driver this sport's ever seen. And he's basically winning with one hand on the dash. And, uh making it look so, so easy when we all know it isn't. But this is just, again, it's just unbelievable stuff from Lewis. Um, again, there's not, much, there's not much to even say on this. It's just, it's just Hamilton. He's just that good. Yeah. He's, it, just, <laughs> there's, there's nothing more to say. He's just, it's, it's nothing we haven't already said. It's just ridiculous stuff. And the Mercs is just... They've they've turned it into 2014 again. No one else is even in their ballpark. The only thing that's the only even minor chink in their armor is a freakish load bearing tire weakness and Valtteri Bottas, uh, and and that's about it. And even then, Bottas does what he needs to do, and that's just rack up decent points. Verstappen might split them by the end of the year, but. The margin of error is so much bigger for Red Bull than it is compared to Mercedes right now. Let's run down the results and let's get into a little bit of uh, some of the minor stories we can get into in this race. Lewis Hamilton winning in the end. Max Verstappen, as mentioned, 24 seconds behind him. 44 seconds back, Valtteri Bottas, as mentioned, had to take a late stop at the end, but did set fastest lap. It was the only reason why Hamilton didn't get a grand slam. Where they go, Valtteri? Lay them mind games on him. Uh, so he gets 16 points rather than 15 for the fastest lap bonus. Lance Stroll, fourth again. Yay for racing points. Uh, good nice. to see. And he had to he had to beat his teammate as well there because uh, Perez was coming after him on that one-stopper a uh, little bit and Lance had to hold him off, which was uh, quite a nice touch. Another another uh, positive reason to believe in Lance. Uh, a great performance. One of his best in F1 today all round. Uh, very, very strong indeed. So good for Lance and good for Canada. Um, so good, yeah. Sergio Perez in fifth, despite a five-second time penalty. Um, funnily enough, he did actually finish fourth on the road, but ended up dropping to fifth because he had a five-second time penalty for ignoring blue flags. Um, apparently, according to the Formula One subreddit, there was video footage of him ignoring at least six or seven to let Hamilton by. So, uh, oh God. Yeah, not really a leg to stand on for Checo on that one. That was just plain ignorance. Tough luck, son. Um, not that it really matters, yeah. given it, given the team brought home the exact same number of points either way. But uh, yeah, team's not fussed. And hey, Checo's back to racing and is in good health, which is good to see. Good to see. Bring back Nico. Um, the fangirls demand it. Um, in sixth, uh, Carlos Sainz, a very quiet day from him, but a solid sixth place for him in the McLaren car. Needed that one after a lot of rumblings about his ability. Lando Norris uh, has uh, captivated a lot of people again. And if you see the head-to-heads, I, I, I believe uh, Norris is 4-2 up this season in qualifying and in the race so far this season. So good for Carlos to, to try and plug that deficit in. Now, let's talk a little bit about Sebastian Vettel in seventh. Funnily enough, he actually won driver of the day uh, in the end. He started 11th. He missed out on a, on a Q3 spot by two one-thousandths of a second. Um, the length of a, of a CD cover over the line. I think the uh, official F1 account worked it out at seven centimeters, separating him and Lando Norris from a spot in Q3. Um, and Alex Albon was another 3,000 up the road in ninth. That's how close yeah. it was. Um, but 
everybody in the Vettel camp was kind of optimistic. Free tire choice from 11th place. They put him on the uh, medium compound tire um, to, to, to what seemed like an obvious one-stop strategy. Everybody kind of worked out by halfway through that the hard tire was not a race tire to run. So they put Sebastian on softs. Um... I think it was after something like 19 laps or so, because I think they were going to put both Ferraris on a one-stopper, but obviously on the inverse, because Leclerc started the race on softs, Bellel on mediums. Now, I I don't want to make a joke here. It's almost like Ferrari didn't know what was going on after Leclerc's car had to be pulled into a retirement. But we all heard the radio. Um, They put Vettel on the soft tyre. Vettel tells the team you know, I'll be going to the end on this tyre. His team says, no, push hard. He does three push laps, and then they get on the radio again, and then they ask him, how do you feel about going to the end of the race on this tyre? <laughs> Vettel immediately goes, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I just told you about this, like, three laps ago. And... I'm I'm not exaggerating when I say this, fellas. Right? Tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. He's literally telling him, but he's literally telling the engineers what pace, uh, what pace I'm going at now, and what do I need to set to make this tire go to the end of the race? Like yeah. Ferrari, um, att- yeah, go on, King. <laughs> yeah, like a very straightforward, you know, ass of a team to just check for you, just like hey, like. You you guys have obviously it's your job to monitor my race. Uh, I just you know just so you guys are sure here here's the pace that I'm running right now. Uh, what kind of pace do I need to make it to the end? Can y'all guys do that for me? <laughs> Crickets, Crickets in the Ferrari camp. They didn't have a clue. They had to get back to him a lap later before he figured out. Okay, let's go at this pace to get to the end. And Vettel was like. Fuck it, we've got nothing to lose. We might as well go for it on the one-stopper. I want to say he did something like 39 laps on a used set of soft tires. Yeah, my my intuition is telling me that Ferrari never game-planned that strategy. That they they just assumed and committed to Sebastian having the stop again. So, what an efficient and healthy and well-run organization they are. According to Jason in the chat, he says a lot of the Ferrari crew apparently left the moment Leclerc retired. Well run, well organized. What is this team? (laughs) What is this team? We could be asking that pretty much every single episode as a recurring segment. Until they inevitably win their one token race, and that's looking at like... Though I'll take that with a grain of salt, because, like, where would they leave to? Where are they going? Like... (laughs) They're packing their preppery, as my mom would say. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know. Like, honestly, th- this team is a hot mess. And then Bonotto, after the race, is talking about, you know, in in, veil, in in sort of, like, half-hearted terms, almost implying that they're not taking care of Seb because, you know, quote, he's leaving the team at the end of the year. And I'm like, no, that was your decision. You chose to sack him over the off-season. You already knew that you were going to sign Carlos Sainz. It was already a known... It was a known secret by McLaren by December. We said it before. Zach Brown gave Carlos Sainz permission to talk to them in December. Like, so McLaren already knew what was going to happen. So this was... This this is not a secret. Like, you've already... You've already had to admit you've lied to the press about how you handled your driver situation. And now... You're talking about how Vettel's part of the problem here. No, you didn't think he was worth keeping. You made your bed. Now lay in it, as far as I'm concerned. If you want to neglect one of your cars, you are objectively bad at your job. It's as simple as that. And yeah, at least the fans got to see that. You know, It is kind of funny that after all these years of not giving Sebastian Vettel the benefit of the doubt as a driver... They finally are when they realize just how trash Ferrari are at organizing themselves as a team. <laughs> and he, hey, he won driver of the day. So, you know, he, he actually beat Verstappen, the people's champion of Formula One driver of the day polls, to, to get there. So, uh, Unbelievable, hey, Jeff. good for him. 
Good for him. Uh, yeah. So yeah, seventh place for Sebastian in the end. By all accounts, uh, he put in a shift, and, and and it was rewarded at least by the fans watching. I I, I love that it was. I think it was the Dutch media that uh, told him that uh, he was driver of the day, and he actually cracked a smile underneath his mask, which was a nice touch. Um, yet more comments from I think Lewis Hamilton as well saying that he really should go join Racing Point. Oh <laughs> Lord. Quote, they're not letting they're not letting their band shine at Ferrari, and I was just like, wow. Even even Hamilton's dunking on this team. Uh, normally, the docile I only spin the pot when Nico Rosberg's involved. Hamilton is making uh, sassy comments. Um, so yeah, that 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 wraps that one up. Uh, so yeah, Vettel seventh in the end. Alex Albon eighth, forty plus seconds behind his teammate again. Sigh. I worry for Alex. I really do. I, I, I like the fact that the team are openly acknowledging they need to do more by Alex, but uh, Red Bull hasn't done enough for me to believe him on that one. But uh, hey, low-key uh, driver, driver of the year contender, Pierre Gasly, ninth again in the points for AlphaTauri. Good shit, awesome. yo. Pierre is, uh, yeah, um, if Red Bull, Red Bull really... If they could have done it this year where they could just mitts and match Alex and Pierre in that second seed at any point, I feel like that's what they would have been doing, honestly, this whole time. Since rejoining that team, Pierre Gasly has been in the points eight out of the 15 races since going back to what was formerly Toro Rosso, now Alpha Tauri, and including that second place at Brazil. Uh, Gasly is putting together a hell of a season. Uh, low key, um, seriously doing great work in an AlphaTauri that is not on paper a particularly great car. Um, so shout out to him; he's doing a great job in life ahead of Lando Norris on the road. Very impressive stuff indeed. Uh, Lando rounding off the points in tenth. Uh, Danny Rick in eleventh uh, in the Renault. Not such a good day for them this time round. Danny Kvyat twelfth. Uh, Esteban Ocon. P13, Kimi Raikkonen 14th, uh, Kevin Magnussen 15th, Gio 16th, George Russell ahead of Nicholas Latifi over the line, a 17th and 18th, Romain Grosjean in 19th, who had a couple of uh, gravel-based excursions, shall we say, over the course of the race. Um, and as, crazily enough, Charles Leclerc, the only retirement from the entire Grand Prix, believe it or not. Also, Kvyat also had a five-second time penalty for ignoring blue flags. Didn't affect his position. Uh, so, championship standings as we go. Lewis Hamilton of 132 points. He has a 37-point lead now on Max Verstappen in second. Uh, Valtteri Bottas third on, on uh, 89. Charles Leclerc fourth on 45. Lance Stroll into the top five on the front page of the Wikipedia articles now. He's on 40 points. Good for him. Constructors, Mercs, 221, Red Bull, 135. Not much more needs to be said. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's already, t- like, Mercs have already nearly got two races in hand. I think they actually do have two races in hand, actually. 46, not quite, not quite, but nearly oh, two yeah. races in hand already. Racing Point, back up to third now. It's actually very close for third. Racing Point have 63 points post-penalty. Uh, McLaren have 62 and Ferrari have 61. It's almost intriguing in, in the battle for the bronze at the moment. Mm. Who would have thought it? Um, <laughs> Racing Point would be a comfortable third right now if it wasn't for that 15-point deduction. Which, by the way, Renault, of course, lodged an appeal against, against Racing Point's break bucks. Once again, reprimanded. More on that soon. <laughs> Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Junior Series, boys. And uh, finally, some good fucking food. Now, we need to talk <laughs> about this feature race and specifically uh, how these last handful of laps unfolded. Pfft, my God. Um, it was looking like a relatively tame Formula 2 sort of strategic race where the guys on the alternate strategy were going to come up through the field towards the end. Callum Eilat was looking like he was going to win it. Um given he had to stop early and then make his way back up on the harder compound tyre. Until... Late on... We had a late on safety car. car. Late on safety car, which then leads to Nobuharu Matsushita coming in 
and jumping the queue immensely. (laughs) Didn't didn't Nobu come in the same lap the safety car came out, so he basically lost virtually no time? Yes, he did. And that pretty much put him to the front of the queue. Yeah, it, it put him to the front of the queue on a brand new set of tyres. I still thought that Kyler Mylot would find a way to, to get back to the front because he, he stopped when the safety car came out a lap later. He dropped himself down to third. He gave up track position to do it. But I thought, oh, oh that's the fast, it's been the fastest car pretty much all weekend. He's in third. He'll be fine. And... <laughs> Turns out Callum kind of botched not one, but both safety car restarts we ended up having on the day. He was caught out by other cars around him in the field, and uh, he would suffer for it, which we'll get to, because there was a a second safety car as well, right at the end. I'll I'll get to that in a minute, because it was quite funny, because I think it was Roy Nassani who came off um, around the outside of turn three, and I was thinking... And I was thinking, race is over because Formula yep. Two has a one has a one hour time limit for their Grand Prix. Um, we'd already had the one safety car. They, you know, you know, it's a sign when the uh, media department switch it from the lap graphic to the time graphic because they know they're not going to get all all the laps in. There was and four and a half minutes. And they were getting, in. they were also getting all their winner fun facts in. Like uh, mm. we had, we we had Alex Jakes mention, hey. Uh, every every Formula Two Spanish feature race winner so far has gone on to graduate to Formula One at the end yeah. of the season. Yeah. Somehow, I'm not sure Prince Nobu's going to get there on that one. Somehow, but always uh, <laughs> like, holding out hope. Uh, bless him. We love Alex Jakes on this show for this very reason. Optimism <laughs> that the race was about to end. Turns out. Stewards did a like, oh, sorry, Marshall did a really good job of getting Nasani's car off the track quickly because he'd got off right by the slip road. So there was only about four and a half minutes left when that safety car, the second safety car, came out, and they were able to clear it just in time. So he had one more sprint lap right at Ooh. the very end. It was a it was a one lap sprint finish. And uh, Masushita took off and was able to survive. Um, Schwartzman held on for second on a again again on a brand new set of tires, but absolute chaos on the last lap. I think Callum dropped to fourth. I want to say, yeah, because we, we we had two groups of cars. A front group with worn out tires, a back group with fresh tires who never got the chance to use it. Now they have one lap to try to get as many positions as possible. Let's see what happens. And the man who's yeah, the cork in the bottle on an old set of hard tires, hello, Yuki Tsunoda. <laughs> that was crazy. Yuki Tsunoda was, was, was right in there on the bottleneck, and we heard him on the radio during the first safety car. They told Yuki, stay out, stay out. We're going to try and win this thing. And I was like, I love your ambitions, fellas. Like, really? (laughs) But uh, they they weren't quite able to pull that off, but they were able to finish in third. But, well, sorry, before it was third, it was just off the podium in the end. Because, again, we had absolute chaos at the end with new runners. Um, And, again, on on new tyres, we had guys on old tyres. It was absolute carnage. In the end, I want to say it. W- who, who came over the line in third? I want so to say. So on the Mazepin. road, on the road, Nikita Mazepin had done enough to take third place. He had a brilliant race with a beautiful pass with two wheels on the grass going into mm. the first quarter. But Mazepin took a five second time penalty. For, for ignoring track limits one too many times. He doesn't even get in the points. Guan Yu Zhou moves up to third place, ahead of Yuki Tsunoda in fourth, and Callum Islet finishes fifth. Yeah, Mazepin would Ooh. finish down in 13th, the nature of a five-second time penalty after a safety car. Not the first time we've mentioned that this year. Absolutely crippling for Mazepin's race. 
dropped him from a podium finish to out of the points altogether. So yeah, it was Matsushita in the end ahead of Schwartzman and Joe on the podium. Sonoda just missing out with his last lap tyre gambit and only about a tenth ahead of Kanemailo, who was raging by the time they got to the to the finish line. Uh, Callum is a bit of a meme on the internet for either bad luck or funny quotes, and this was neither. Uh, so he was ahead of Mick Schumacher, Felipe Drugovic, Luca Giotto, Dan Tictum, or a dick tantrum, depending on which F1 uh, pun that you tend to be these days. And Louis Dedetraz rounding off the points in 10th. Um, a bit of sad news that came as a result of this race, though. We didn't see it at the time until after the checkered flag had come out. Sean Galeal had taken a nasty back injury after hitting a sausage curb on the back end of the track. Why do we still have sausage curbs? For the love of God. Yeah, it's... well, what had happened was... Uh, Galeo came into contact with Jack Aiken. Uh, Sean's car went airborne, but not like, you know, just lifted the wheels off the ground. And mm. uh, the car landed on the curb itself. Oh, no. Ah, that is painful. Uh, that, was a, that was a nasty, nasty. We actually didn't see it in real time on the camera, but they had to they had to forcibly remove Galil from his car due to the injury. Thankfully, he's relatively okay, but he is going to be out of action for the next six weeks as a direct result of that injury. So get well soon, Sean Galil. We do we, we do like Galil in this camp. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a chicken adopting son. Uh, is a fun time. And uh, yeah, as as uh, Rezzy puts in the chat, and I've run out of chat has recorded on Discord, Sean doesn't need this. No, no one needs this. Um, get well soon, Sean. And uh, his replacement will be the exciting talent, Yuri Vips, for the next... Uh, for the next handful of rounds, so good luck to him in that car. Yeah. Big shoes to Gotta love fast. it when a plan falls through. Oh, man. <laughs> Though, Vips, Vips getting to be Sean Galel's replacement means we get a we get a head-to-head matchup between Dan Tictum and his former academy. <laughs> mm, that's gonna be delicious. It's like sweet KFC. Sprint race, and uh, Felipe Drugovic, once again, uh, from the front in the sprint race, would take a dominant win in the end, uh, by a nine and a half second victory in the end over Luca Giotto, and Mick on the podium again, <laughs> Mick in third place for Prima, um, ahead of Yuki Tsunoda, Masushita in fifth, Mazepin sixth, Pedro Piquet up in the points in seventh, good for him. Calamilot struggled to make real progress in, in the Virtuosi car in 8th. Delatraz and Tictum 10th in the end. Uh, bit of a stinker, that one, in terms of pure on-track action. But hey, yeah. they can't all be winners in Formula 2. Um, so yeah, Drogovic wins in the end. Championship standards in Formula 2 after all of that, which, oh, by the way, in case you didn't notice, MP Motorsport did what they have never done before. They swept the weekend. <laughs> That's incredible. Did you know that they have never finished better than 6th in the team's championship at any point in their F2 history? They just swept around. A whole round. Wow. Way, way to go, MP Motorsport, by the way. Um, Kana Mylot still has an 18-point lead in the championship over Robert Schwartzman, 121 to 103. Lingard still clinging on to second um, with 87 points. Yuki Sonoda looking good to get that super license all dialed in with 82 points now in fourth. Mick Schumacher fifth on 79. Wanyu Zhou on 76. Nikita Mazepin on 75. Felipe Drugovic on 67. Louis Delatraz putting together a nice solid year with 65 points. And my notes here says Devin Butler of 63 points. I can only assume that's Dan Tictum. Yeah. Um, good shout. Um, <laughs> wait, way to go, RJ. Uh, you're not wrong there either. Uh, Formula 3, and uh, oof. this was an interesting one. Uh, Jake Hughes, everybody, taking command in the uh, Formula 3 race one. Dedicating the win to his uh, beloved friend, Mr. Anfon Hubert. So, so salute to uh, the veteran of the field in Husey for, for bringing home a, a, a solid win there in race one ahead of uh, Peroni and Nanini rounding off no, the no, that, that was Lawson. Uh, Lawson was... Oh, sorry. Uh, Wrong so race. The, so, the, so the race one, uh, Liam Lawson and Logan Sargent had a pretty good fight for uh, second place. Uh, Lawson tried to get him around him a few times and on his third attempt, Finally, got the move done. Mm-hmm. 
Indeed, and yeah, Hughes won pretty comfortably from there. Lawson second, Logan Sargent third on that one. Where's all your American guys at now, huh? Huh? <sighs> <laughs> uh, still on the podium. Yeah. Cr- crickets. Crickets. <laughs> Joe Roberts let you down. Look how quiet you guys all are now, huh? <laughs> huh? I see you. <laughs> Race two. Uh, shout out to Oscar Piastri, who actually managed to rekindle his romance with his DRS rear wing. Um, <laughs> and... And would win in race two ahead of Peroni and Nanini on the podium in second and third. So good. Did you for see them. that start from Oscar though? Because mm. he started fifth, and by the time we got to sector two, he was already up in the lead. He made up like four places in as many corners. Rampant, R- rampant. And he didn't uh, need DRS to do that. No, no, keep keep the misses quiet for a weekend, clearly. Um, and it worked, amazingly. Who would have thought it? Um, championship standings in Formula 3, by the way. Logan Sargent still in the lead of the championship by a single point over Mrs. Piastri's rear wing on 130 points. Lawson third on 99. Beckman on 94 and a half. Boucher, who, happy birthday, by the way. The other day he turned 17. Made a good Lord help us all. Uh, how disgustingly young he is. Um, on 80. Uh, Vesti on 70 and a half. Hughes on 63 and a half. Peroni 58. Vershaw 57. And Novalak 45. Um, in, in the Formula 3 standings. Thank God I don't have to talk about Spain anymore because uh, just watch the Junior Series highlights on YouTube. You don't need to see the main race. There was literally nothing of worth to to keep an eye on there. A couple of bits of news before we round off on this one. Everyone has signed the new Concord Agreement. Hooray! Hooray! We're all back together as one happy family for the next five years. Yes, because there were some, some doubts because... Originally, mm. the deadline was last week on my birthday, August twelfth. Uh, but shameless. <laughs> it was there was some uh, tension between Mercedes and uh, Formula One management, and it seemed like, hey, maybe Mercedes won't make the early deadline. Uh, and then it was announced that there was an extension to the deadline to this past Wednesday, and. Apparently, through negotiations, things were ironed out. What was ironed out? I don't know, because the Concord Agreement's secret. And it's it's different for a different team, so maybe Mercedes got a sweetheart deal. Don't know, because again, everything is confidential. Right. <laughs> again, I still find it funny, just this morning as an example, Matteo Bonotto uh, from Ferrari was calling for clarity on the issue with racing points in their bait bucks. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> so yeah, cute. Like I, I wish like we we knew what the agreements were, but again, confidential. It's not like other sports where like the the players have to know, and the the players are probably going to tell the media. So, yeah, allegedly Ferrari's veto powers aren't as strong, and allegedly their participation trophy has been cut in half, but we don't know for sure. Take it with a grain of salt. But yes, we, we just know that all the teams are going to be around for the next five years. Yay! Thank yeah. God. Especially Williams, because we worried about them, because there's news of them as well. That this came through this morning as we're recording this, actually, that uh, somebody's bought them. They've been sold to a private investment firm in the United States. Hey, you know a little bit about this investment firm. They're right up the road from you. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much everything I know about them. That they're, uh... <laughs> they're <famous. laughs> Great! Uh, like, I don't even know how to pronounce their name. I'm just gonna assume it's, uh, Derilton Capital. Uh, I assume they're the Derilton of the Dorito Deriltons. Uh, I don't... I'm making that up, obviously! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were. <laughs> but, I'll be concerned if you weren't, but, uh, yeah... They bought the team for uh, 133 million quid, or as I like to call it, one Felipe Coutinho, um, <laughs> roughly. Um, <laughs> That's like um, half a Giancarlo Stanton. God. It's a third of a Mike Trout. 
um, which is just terrifying. Um, but yeah, like like you said, they've been bought up by an American private investment firm. Fingers crossed, they'll be long term injecting them with some money to keep the to keep things afloat. But it is also kind of a sad time because it's also the end of the last family owned team in the sport. Um, but it had to be done. You know, Williams had been struggling for a little while. They'd always complained during the hybrid era that the extra moving parts were super expensive and they've, it's been a slow and steady decline for them. And hopefully this is a positive influence. Hopefully these new owners don't, you know, get too invasive, shall we say, shall we say, pardon me. Um, but we'll have to just keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best when that's concerned. Again, best wishes to all the guys at Williams. I know they've had it rough. There's Absolutely. been already a lot of guys who've lost their jobs. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not been ideal to say the least, but fingers crossed this is the, the sign of a positive uptick for the, for the sports grade independence. Um, well, yeah, that's, well, you know, continuing on that uh, Williams, despite new ownership, Despite new American ownership, second American team, yes, uh, uh, they'll still retain what we know. Uh, team will still have the same name, same branding, everything. Besides that, we don't know. Uh, and I think it's also important to know that uh, that Williams is a publicly traded team, that they do have shares on a stock market. And the announcement of being purchased meant their stock price has gone up a lot. Uh, so, yeah, I, again, being bought out by, uh, by an investment firm, hey, maybe they're gonna try to push Williams's, you know, being sustainable for, quote, long-term growth, whatever that means to this firm. I would certainly hope so. I really do, because I know a lot of people are potentially worried about this investment group, you know, hey, they'll come in with bold ideas, but we still want to keep everything the same. And then eventually uh, they get more of their fingerprints on the team. And sometimes that's to their detriment. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't say that this exact moment is a big change for Williams. This is just the sign that change is coming for Williams. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It's open. It's change for the good. Uh, we have to wait. And see of of as that goes on, right? So one more little bit of news, a couple of bit little bits of news as well um, regarding the calendar. There is strong talk that we are going back to Istanbul Park later in the year, probably around November sort of time. Um, wowee, the car park is being dusted off, ladies and gentlemen. Um, what do we make of Istanbul Park potentially coming back? Uh, oh man, it's... that's. It's interesting uh, for a circuit that hasn't seen top flight international racing in ages. Uh, yeah. Like, obviously, people have some sort of fondness for Turkey. I personally don't. It's just, you know, a- another track to me. Uh, but I can see why, like, this gets a lot of people excited. Yeah, because this has the knack of being one of the best modern state-of-the-art circuits that Hillman Tur- Herman Tilka has has originally designed. Uh, but we haven't seen them race here in nine years. Uh, if you're worried about F1 going to places where there are uh, egregious human rights violations, <laughs> Turkey may be not one of those places. <laughs> mm. uh, but the racing should still be entertaining and if not hey it'll be fun to see a contemporary f1 car do hot laps around the track like they were in 2005 the last year of the v10 era oh and bahrain is it's allegedly getting a double header and we're ending the year at abu dhabi again yeah yeah that's that's allegedly going to be the final four rounds making it i think 18 in total um who would have guessed we would have had 18 races by the time the pandemic started we were going to have an 18 race calendar in the end but allegedly the four races to end the year Istanbul two in Bahrain including one on the alleged oval layout um, and a race in Abu Dhabi to finish the year allegedly December 15th not final confirmation on that Bloody hell, the week before Christmas, we're getting a Grand Prix. Um, that is a 
kind of wild, to say the least. Uh, Jeff, um, we're going to throw our uh, end-of-year awards into the real far-back lands. Right. Yeah, bar oval as uh, the jokes on the Discord. That'll be interesting to keep an eye on. But yeah, final confirmation on that, not confirmed, but very strong. Every motorsport place on the land is reporting it, so it's probably going to be a matter of when. You know when Formula One social media has put out a tweet about Kimi Raikkonen winning in Turkey in 2005? You go, hmm, I wonder why they put that in there. Um, just Maybe they just wanted there. to celebrate all the laps that Kimi Raikkonen's done. He does have the all-time laps completed mm. record. Yeah, couple of notes um, to take away from 254 and our MotoGP recording as well, by the way, just to fill in the blanks before we get out of here. Um, you know how I mentioned it? Wouldn't it be funny if they extended the catch fence between turns two and three in, in, in Austria between weekends? Guess what the MotoGP and, and, and the Red Bull Ring actually did? Exactly that! They've uh, extended the catch fence up through towards the hairpin even though it would have done absolutely nothing to prevent Frankie Morbidelli's bike from going back over to turn three apex anyway. It's not good. Cal Crutchlow specifically came out and said, don't do that uh, when talked about it, because he said, if somebody goes off on the outside of turn two, where are they going to end up? Straight in the catch fence. Um, and that's one place you don't want to be having come off a 190 mile an hour motorcycle. And that's exactly what they've gone and done. <laughs> okay, it's, you know, it's going to be a bit of a nervous gut-wrencher watching MotoGP this weekend in Styria. We'll have to wait and see what happens where that's concerned. Uh, uh, if you have, if you want to see it, check out Simon Patterson on Twitter. Um, if you want to see the full work that, that, uh, that, that took place over there, it's about as good or as uh, bad as you'd expect um also um there's been a, a there's got confirmation this morning from the stewards that johan zarko will have to face a pit lane start uh whenever he returns to the sport it might be this weekend in Styria. it might not be um he's still touch and go he had to have surgery on his wrist and a broken scalpioid after what happened last week Johan admitted he's not feeling great. He was declared unfit when he had the medical check on Thursday, as was Afi Siren, who, bless him, tried to do a medical with crutches. Um, oh, I thought Lord. that was charming. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, Afi's probably for the best you sit this one out, um, personally. Um, Zarko is going to wait till the last minute. He's going to be reassessed um, tomorrow morning to see if he can race on the Saturday, like we saw with Marquez in her F round two to see if he can maybe race um, uh, the uh, FP4 and qualifying on Saturday morning. Probably won't. We'll know by the time this goes out. We'll have to wait and see. But whenever he does race properly, most likely Masano, he will have to start a race from pit lane because the stewards deemed him at fault for the incident between him and Frankie Morbidelli. Allegedly, the stewards' office had unseen angles that we didn't see of TV, and it seems like Zarco cut across Morbidelli through turn two, and that's what caused their collision. Not good. Um, Though, I, it, it does, you know, that that line that they had footage that we didn't have, like, maybe eventually since the decision's been made, you could show us the footage that, you know... Right? That, that changed the steward's mind. Right, I'd like to see some of that, because the big complaint from the paddock is that one... This penalty was seemingly made to throw the book at Zarco, and I kind of agree with them because I've never seen a pit lane penalty given out for anyone for causing a collision or quote irresponsible riding. Um, I mean, if you look at it just a round ago at Bruno, like Zarco was also deemed to be riding irresponsibly during that incident with Paul Spargo and was given a long lap penalty. Now. Has the nature of the accident prompted the stewards to suddenly up it to a pit lane start? Because that's a much more severe penalty for the incident. And a lot of riders have come out and said, look, say what you will about the incident itself. We're complaining about the inconsistency of penalties given out. And arguably, it's even worse given that MotoGP has two of the, of the three same stewards at every Grand Prix we go to. One of them being the legend Freddie Spencer. Um, and 
yeah, they've complained about inconsistency of penalties. And to be fair, I think they've got a point on that one. Um, MotoGP's always been kind of sloppy ever since they took race direction off the board for administering penalties of Mike Webb. I think he was generally a bit better at handling, the, and handling these issues compared to what we've got now. A lot, I know a lot of riders have complained about it since. Um, we'll have to wait and see if, they, if there's any further comments on that because riders aren't happy, apparently, uh, regarding this, this penalty and the example that's apparently made of Johan. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But yeah, there's an update for you. Pit lane start for Johan whenever he decides to come back. That will just about do it from this episode yeah. of Motorsport 101. Uh, we managed to get it in in just under an hour on the nose. Go us. Um, <laughs> I told you we'd keep it relatively brief-ish. Um, basically, you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And our personal handles are either, you can see in our boxes on screen, or at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. And again, Patreon, if you'd like to back us financially, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Five dollars gets you early access to all of our shows before they go out on an audio standpoint. If you want the video versions on top, join at the $10 level where you can get that and access to the Supporters Club on Discord where you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. Thanks, everyone for listening in I'm going to go take a break because we've done three of these in three days yeah. and we're all exhausted oh, uh, enjoy, enjoy GP. Oh, enjoy the Indy 500 yeah enjoy <laughs> racing Dre you think you're exhausted I was going to say like, <laughs> I'm exhausted through jumping up and down in excitement King's been pulling all the strings on this transition and I swear to god my my poor PC is going to make him pull this hair out and uh, he's better off for that than I am he has to play off beard I don't <laughs> I've been Andre Harrison David RJ O'Connell and Ryan King thank you very much for watching and we'll catch you guys very very soon until then sayonara later y'all